Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my newest book, Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, whenever you're listening right now, we're giving away free signed books. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the art of being well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of your Apple podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every single month, we're going to pick winners from both places. I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign, and then I'll send it out to you. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. Her name is Emma Lovewell. Emma Lovewell is the founder of Live, Learn, Love Well, a Peloton instructor, an Under Armour athlete, and an all-around health and wellness expert who is dedicated to teaching others how to feel good in their bodies and live their best lives. I love this conversation, and I know you will too. Let's get right to it. This is Emma Lovewell's Art of Being Well. Emma, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And we met a few, not that long ago, a few months ago, maybe, at a, an event for Now Foods, because we both love Now Foods. And 
have done a lot with them. It was so great to finally meet you because I, you kick my ass all the time on the Peloton class. So to finally meet the person that kicks your ass, I, I appreciated that. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, do you probably get that all the time? Because like Peloton Nation is just like huge, right? I mean, is it, do people stop you in the streets all the time and, and, and say the same thing that I just said? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a more or less, I love it though. It's so funny. Cause it's always like, it'll be like across the street and someone will yell and be like, thanks for kicking my ass today. And I'm like, no problem. Sometimes I can tell people like, look at me, but then they don't say anything. And then sometimes people have like such heartwarming and like, they come up to me and they're like, you don't know what I've been through and thank you so much. So it's a really a whole range, but very, it blows my mind every time. It's very cool. It's very cool. And you're one of the first Peloton instructors, right? I mean, you've been there for a while. I mean, it seemed like that. I, I think I was number 11 and tw- Dennis and I got hired together. So we were 11 and 12 together. And now there's 50 instructors. So yeah, it's been a wild ride. But no, the, I mean, you know, Jen Sherman was like number one. And, mm-hmm. and so like, you know, I got to give her credit for mm-hmm. really paving the way. <laughs> for sure. I mean, and I mean, what was it? I, I've had Peloton for a while, but the explosion just is huge. I mean, I'm sure the pandemic really accelerated it to some degree. Did Was there a time in your career with Peloton that you were like, this is way bigger than I thought it was? Yeah, it definitely. I mean, I think once I joined the team, you know, it was just 12 cycling instructors. We didn't have tread yet. We, you know, didn't have row or, or any of these other things, yoga. And it was before we went public. And so it was like startup mentality, you know, where we're all just like getting after it and like hustling and just working so hard. And and so many people didn't know what Peloton was at that time when I got hired. I felt like I was always prepared for that answer of like Peloton is like technology meets media. Like I had a whole spiel because people didn't know what it was. And then it really started to change. And I, I watched it change. And I think it had been growing exponentially. And then yes, the pandemic definitely like you know, gave it another level of growth, but it, we were already growing so much year over year already. And so then it was interesting because throughout the pandemic, you know, we're all in, indoors. So I'm not really out socializing and seeing people. So it was when doors started to like kind of open up again, that that difference of like being recognized or really seeing the effects of how many people were working out with me versus like three, two years before that, right. that, that was definitely noticeable. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. When the world started getting back to normal, people started coming out and yeah, it's a different world for you. Yeah. For sure. Let's talk about that. You mentioned, you talk about this fascinating story in your book of how a series of events led to how you got to Peloton. I'd love for people to hear this. What, how did this happen? Yeah, totally. I just always think, you know, you never know when you open one door where you're going to lead the next door is going to be something you never even could have dreamed of. And that's what I really think about my whole journey is that growth was not linear. There were a lot of yeses that I, you know, up to, to up, yeses to opportunities that I said that was like a leap of faith. You know, I was like, is this going to work out? I don't know. Let's go through the store and see what happens. And so for me, I moved to New York City to um, be a professional dancer. So I was a backup dancer and I was like going on Craigslist for auditions and stuff. And I had an agent as well, but this was at the time, I mean, I don't know what Craigslist is like nowadays, but at (laughs) the time it was like 
you you could find a job there. So I was like looking for gigs and this one gig came across looking for a female who was comfortable in the gym. And it was for like a personal trainer's website. He was looking for like a model to just, he was training her in the gym. And so it paid $50. And I was like, great, I need the cash. I submitted my photo for it. I got the job. I showed up to the job. You know, luckily it was legitimate. (laughs) And the photographer was this amazing guy named Jay. And the shoot was great. And Jay was like, you know what? You should consider fitness modeling. It's this whole new industry. I'm trying to break into it too. Why don't we do a test shoot? came back, shot with him. By those photos, I got signed to Wilhelmina Models, a modeling agency that had a fitness-specific division. So it was just fitness people who knew how to work out. And since I was a dancer, I knew how to move my body and take direction well. And one of my first jobs was being a model actor on a Peloton Kickstarter campaign. And that really like created my connection with Peloton. I met John Foley, the CEO, and the very small team at that time. It's 2012 or 2013. And um, did the job and then said goodbye. And I was like, best of luck to you. I had never heard of Peloton before. It was like brand new Kickstarter, right? So they're startup. And uh, then I started teaching fitness for many years, cycling, Pilates, personal training. And three years later, I reached out to John Foley because I was watching Peloton just totally grow and explode. And I was just like feeling lost in my career and not sure what I was doing at that point. I had moved out to California and wasn't loving it. And uh, so I reached out to him and, and he wrote back and he was like, yeah, let me, let me put you in touch with Robin. And then one thing led to the other. And so I just, when I look at all those separate decisions that I made, those separate doors, I bring it all back to me, like hustling on Craigslist, trying to look for the next opportunity. Somehow, I am where I am now. Wow. I mean, that's inspirational. I mean, you think of how many, how many of us, I think, need to look back at, at, at where we're at, you know, for good or, or not good, right? And what we have in our life is just a series of decisions. And what do you think it was? I mean, was there some sort of true north governing your you know, intention or manifestation, or was it just, you know, you didn't really have much mindfulness behind it. It's just the way that it worked out. I think that, so if you had asked me when I was in high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? I couldn't have said, I want to be a Peloton instructor because Peloton didn't exist. So there's no way to know. I couldn't say I wanted to be a blogger. Like blogging didn't exist, right? There was like so many jobs that didn't exist back when. And so I just think about, I was just following my passions, really. I was doing what I liked. I had always been an athlete. I'd always been a dancer. So I was pursuing professional dance, a door open for modeling. And I was like, let me see what that's like. Mm -hmm. And then I started teaching fitness and I started doing things. And I was like, I really love this. I love moving my body. I'm good at it. I know how to do this. I love music. I was a DJ for a little bit. I grew up as a a playing piano. Like I, I love music. And so when you look at all of those experiences, being comfortable in front of a camera, being comfortable in front of an audience, knowing music well, all of those things kind of created the perfect recipe for mm-hmm. being a Peloton instructor. Because mm-hmm. even Peloton, they're hiring and they're like, who do we hire? You know, like they're also looking like, what's the perfect recipe for an instructor? We don't know. And so it was sort of like serendipitous where all of my experiences had prepared me for this job without me even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was just like continuously doing things that brought me joy. 
I knew that I liked movement. I knew that it helped me. I knew that I liked helping other people. Mm-hmm. Let's just like go in that direction. Let's just keep leaning towards the direction that like makes me feel good in body and mind. And then if it can help other people, like that's even better. Yeah. There's some deep wisdom there because I think people will ask me like, okay, how did you get to where you're at in, t- in functional medicine? What, how did this come to be? How I typically would verbalize it is staying in my lane. And I think that's what you're saying and not as a negative thing. Some people will say stay right. in your lane as like a pejorative, but I really right. see it as like, how can you be a channel for something that you're passionate about and be relentlessly pursuing that and whatever the next right step is showing up? And uh, would you say that's kind of this totally this this lesson that you learned? Totally. And it's like, you're not always going to be like, oh, oh, I found my perfect calling like right away. You know, people think when you graduate college, you're going to like have your career set out for you and you're going to know what you're going to do. It's like people don't discover their career for a long time. And sometimes it changes multiple times. So it's not like you're going to have this aha moment and all of a sudden it's so clear. But I think if you're just like, staying true to yourself and listening to yourself. And then like what you said, it's just like being in your lane. I think the right opportunities can kind of present themselves. And then Mm -hmm. you feel in alignment and you're like, I'm in, I feel good about what I'm doing. I'm going to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. My son, he's 16. I was telling him, he, he feels like he has to have it all figured out right now and like be, be the end of the race right now. And I think a lot of people feel like that, like, oh, I want, they see the social media, they see the highlight reel, they see the success. Can you talk about maybe some of the losses that you had? Because I think that can be inspirational for people that kind of get beat down and they see successful people and they think they haven't been rejected before. There's a lot of rejection, right? right? Yeah. Uh, I definitely think also as like an artist, you're constantly, you know, as a dancer, I have been to thousands of auditions and have been told no so many times. And it's really hard not to take it personally because you're like pouring yourself. And and as an artist, you become your work too. So you're like, Mm -hmm. this is me. And somebody's like, no, (laughs) not good enough. And you're just like, what? But this is me. You, You know, there were so many. And I think because of that experience, I've kind of been like being a New Yorker, I've kind of developed like a thicker skin of just being like, not getting excited for things until they're actually happening. Like even if somebody's like, yeah, you booked this great job, you know, I'm like, okay, like once, once I'm there, once I'm like on set, like I'll believe it for better or for worse. I don't know if that's good or not, but it's definitely something that I've learned how to do. And in my book, I talk about this where my partner Dave and I moved to Texas for a job opportunity that totally didn't work out. Then from there, went to California and that's where I felt totally lost. It was personal training, $20 an hour. I'm like cleaning sweaty mats for people and just feeling like, man, like what am I, I, I don't feel as fulfilled as I want to feel. So that's when I reached out to Peloton, but I definitely, it came from a place of me being like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not, I, I need something else. I need something more. And uh, so I think it is important to, to listen to that, but know that growth is not linear. And there are times where you take steps backwards or sideways in order to get you to mm-hmm. go forward. Have you heard about AG1? You, if you've been following me any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about this because I've taken it for a long time. I recommend it to our telehealth patients as well. It is just daily foundational nutrition in a supplement form that supports your whole body to thrive. 
through a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced nutrients, AG1 delivers comprehensive support for your brain health, gut health support, immune system support, energy support, longevity support, all the things. Since 2010, AG1 has improved their formula 52 times in their pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement imaginable through high quality ingredients and rigorous standards. With just one scoop, I know that I'm getting the nutrients and gut health support that helps my whole body thrive and covers my nutritional bases. I also love that AG1 is delivered monthly. I'm busy, we're all busy. So the fact that I don't even have to think about it and AG1 is delivered right to my house every single month, I love that. I am also a fan of the AG1 travel pack so I don't have to miss a day. When I'm traveling, I put AG1 travel packs in my carry-on. Plus it tastes great. I just mix it with water or you can mix it into a smoothie as well. And you can feel good knowing that you've taken care of your health. I think of AG1 as a multivitamin, multimineral. It's a green superfood, probiotic blend, adaptogen blend, functional mushroom blend, all in one. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D. It's a vitamin D3 with a K2 dropper. You get a whole year supply of that. And also five free AG1 travel packs that I love with your first purchase. You have to go to drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. That's D-R-I-N-K-A-G and then the number one dot com slash Will Cole. That's drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. Check it out something that we talk a lot about with patients, even on their health journey, is healing being nonlinear as well, which I think is just so applicable to so many, whatever our goal is, whether it's getting, regaining your health, optimizing your health, or your life goals and your like life health. It's just giving yourself grace and lightness through this process. And that's a big point of the book and something that you really are inspiring us with is this progress, not perfection. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's still something that I have to remind myself of every day. Like I I think I have been incredibly motivated and ambitious in my life. And so naturally, I think I, I have a, you know, strong work ethic that I learned from my, my mom's an immigrant. And I think that she really instilled that in me. And it's like, I, I've got to make it work. I've got to have mm-hmm. multiple jobs at one time. But I, I really have in my past and still like, sometimes I want things to be perfect. I want things to be the best and I want to receive the best and give the best and teach the best classes and have the most amount of views and, and do, you know, like make the best content and do the best stuff. And it's like, that can really drive you crazy because there is no such thing as perfection. Like even when you think you reach that, there's no, I've never met anybody who's like, oh yeah, I reached perfection. I'm good now. Like I, you know, I'm as fit as I want to be and now I can stop working out or I've, you know, reached whatever, you know, career goal and now I'm good. Like everybody's constantly striving for the next thing. So let's just acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge that it is the journey and that there is no end goal. And so it should just be really about making steps of progress. There's no end goal of perfection. And that word is, can be hurtful too, because mm-hmm. we all know, like, what does perfect look like? That's not, that's not a real thing. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. It, doesn't it doesn't exist right i mean none of us right. we think we know what it is or what it looks like but it doesn't really exist in the book yep. you through this 
progress, not perfection, and that healing is nonlinear and growth is nonlinear. You give us practical tools to implement self-love and self-care into our life, to give us that grace, to give us that lightness and flexibility. One of the ones that, that I love that you talk about is dating yourself. Can you share this with people? Because I think it's really smart. Yeah, I think also maybe, you know, living in a big city, you if you've ever gone out to dinner by yourself, I, I think it's more common maybe to go out to dinner by yourself because there's just restaurants everywhere. And sometimes you're on a tight schedule and you're like, I can't cook right now. I don't have time to, like, I'm just going to go out. And if you, you can't go out by yourself, you're limiting yourself to some great, you're missing out on some great experiences, I think. And so I have this chapter, yeah, dating yourself, where I think uh, I started it more on a regular schedule because of my Peloton schedule. I would teach on a Friday evening or sometimes it was a Monday evening. And instead of waiting in traffic to get back home, I was like, I'm just going to go out to eat and then go home at like 8 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. And so I started this list of all these restaurants that I wanted to try in the city. And I would just go sit at the bar by myself. And it was just kind of a therapeutic and like enlightening experience because, you know, the first few times you're really awkward about it. Like you're staring at your phone or you feel like you read something or you feel like people are watching you. And then you realize like nobody's watching you. And what if you can like sit without your phone and you can like really take in all of the other senses and um, I think our relationship with ourselves is one of the most important relationships that we have. It is the most important relationship that we have. So get comfortable with yourself, just being by yourself. And so sometimes that looks like going for a hike by yourself or a walk or whatever. But yeah, my experience was taking myself out to dinner because I deserved it and I wanted to have that connection with myself. That's really important. And I think when our culture... You kind of touched on it. It's so steeped in distraction and numbing and doing, being busy, right? It's the busyness and the stillness can be uncomfortable. The quiet, mm -hmm. the alone time can be uh, uncomfortable. I, I talk about JOMO, like the joy of mi missing out, which is kind of the antithesis to this FOMO culture. And that's what you're teaching us to do is different ways to find JOMO yeah. uh, in the stillness and, it, and and use it as a meditation, really. Like going yeah. out to eat by yourself can't be a meditation because we're so used to distracting and numbing ourselves. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. The joy of missing out. I, I That happens every time. Like I've seen memes about this where like you have plans with friends and then they cancel and then you're like secretly happy because you're like, yeah, I get to stay <laughs> home and like finish reading my book or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> so do you, you live in, I mean, you work in New York City. Do you live in the city? Where do you? I live just outside of the city. Yeah. Got it. Because yeah. I know you talk about your love of gardening. I was thinking, how are you doing mm -hmm. that in Manhattan? Is I mean, there's urban gardens, right. of course. You And I, I yes. encourage people to get plugged into urban gardens. But yes, what can you tell us about gardening? And because I think we can learn a lot from you here for people that are wanting to get into it. Why should they maybe yeah. get curious about it? What got you into gardening? Uh, I have like a full chapter about gardening in my book and there's so much I could talk about. But I'll say that my parents introduced gardening to me. I'm originally from Martha's in Massachusetts. My parents were total hippies and they taught me how to live off the land. You know, we'd go fish. My dad and I would go fishing. We'd go clamming. My mom had this amazing vegetable garden and I definitely had a love-hate relationship with it at first because I kind of, it's dirty. The compost was gross. Like there were so many elements of gardening that I didn't love as a kid. And, you know, my friends didn't have to do it. Like, why do we have to do it? And it wasn't just a luxury. It was for sustenance because things were, groceries are really expensive on the island. So 
that was part of it. And I think when I moved to New York City, I was like, like anti nature. It was kind of like, I'm just going to the city because I love dance and I love culture and I love the energy and all this stuff. You know what they say about how like you always end up like turning into your parents, whether or not you want to. You know, it's like yeah. there's this quality of like loving nature and loving gardening that has like kind of creeped in as I got older, where I was like getting really nostalgic for home. And I was like living, you know, in this, you know, concrete jungle. And I so I started getting into indoor planting, indoor plants. So I'd have all these different plants by the window. Then I started growing some stuff on like my fire escape. And then one of my first gardens was in New York City in the East Village. I had this concrete courtyard in the back of my building that wasn't mine. It was the buildings, but it was empty. And I was like, didn't ask for permission for any, from anybody, but I was like, I'm just going to grow some plants back there. And that's when Dave and I first started dating. So he helped me and we built these garden beds and I grew basil and tomato and all this stuff. And I started getting really into it and it was so rewarding. And um, I've had many, many gardens since then, and now that I live out of the city, I can actually have more space for I have a flower garden, a vegetable garden. But there's so many life lessons in gardening, and I talk about that in my book. But you know, one of them, I'll give you an example, is the lesson of deadheading, which is after a flower has bloomed and it's dead, you need to cut it off. Otherwise, the plant keeps sending energy to the dead flower. And what you want it to do is send energy to the new growth, to the new mm. flower. And when my mom, my mom's a professional gardener. And when she taught me that, I was like, oh my God, I can totally relate to this in life. Like how many things are just like hanging dead, taking our energy that maybe we just need to snip off so we can redirect our energy, whether that's bad habits, bad relationships, anything. What are the things that you need to cut out? And so that's just like one of the many lessons. But also gardening and therapy is something that I love. When I get home and I've had a busy day, if I can just put my hands in the dirt and like nurture and care for something, it completely takes my mind off of other things. Mm-hmm. It is the most present and calm and peaceful I can be. And I love it so much. And so I totally mm-hmm. encourage people, whether it's a windowsill or a fire escape or patio or anything, if you can grow some herbs, they smell incredible and you get to cook with them. Like, I think that's just the most simple way to start gardening. And I think it's so good for our soul. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I mean, the, that lesson with the deadheading is powerful. I mean, in the lessons that nature can teach us, if we just pause and get that Jomo, like mindfulness and tension on the deeper connection of that and the life lessons, but beyond that, the therapeutic benefits and the health benefits of growing your own food and cooking with it. There's so many layers to this. So what are some, like people are like, okay, I want to try this gardening. It seems overwhelming. Like what are some practical things that you, they could start to, to lean into gardening? Okay. Here's like the most basic thing and it doesn't even require dirt, but I started doing this during, during the pandemic because everybody's like indoors. And I was showing people this on Instagram. If you have scallions that you buy from the grocery store, and you just put, and they come with the roots on and they're like in a rubber band. If you put them in a glass of water and they're like, just the, the white part is submerged in water and you put it on the windowsill, you can cut scallions and use it for cooking and they will just grow back without dirt, just sitting in water. And so I have like, and honestly, if you go into like any Asian person's household, you'll see that like, they just have like scallions growing in the windowsill because it's unlimited and they just keep growing and scallions are delicious in almost everything. Um, That's like the, most basic thing, find a sunny window, 
put some store-bought scallions in it and just keep replenishing it. And then the next thing I'd say is, I mean, I love growing herbs. I love growing basil and parsley and thyme and mint, but be careful with mint because if you put that in your garden bed, it will spread like crazy. So always put it in its own container. But I just think that like getting some pots with dirt and growing herbs in your windowsill is such an easy thing to do. And then I think sometimes people overwater their plants. You actually want the soil to kind of dry out in between watering them. So, because otherwise if it's wet all the time, it can grow mold. So just like make sure you're you're not watering it every single day. I think that's when people get nervous about their plants. So then they tend to overwater. Uh, but those are some of my my tips for beginner gardening. I love it. And now this makes sense with the mint because my mom just this weekend gave me a bag of like ripped up from the ground mint. She must just wanted to get rid of it, but it smells amazing. It smells amazing. It takes over everything. So what I've done, because I, I did that too. I made the mistake, even though I knew. I was like, oh, but I'll just put it in this corner every year or every time it happens. And now I forever, even though I thought I pulled all of it, there will just be like one that just pops up. And I'm like, wow, it's relentless. But yeah, you just keep it in its own container. And then you can even put it in a garden bed, but just keep it in its like container if you want it to be with the other herbs or just keep it separate. Mm -hmm. And that stuff grows like crazy. But yeah, mint in salads, in lemonade, in just water. I made mint ice cream from my mint last summer. Highly recommending. <laughs> Amazing. How are you doing this? I want to know. Mint ice cream. Okay. So I have, I have the recipe on my website, littlearnlovell.com. But I basically cook like boiled mint in cream for, I don't know, however long that took, 10 minutes. And then you let it sit overnight in the fridge so it cools down with the mint in it. Then I strained out the mint the next day and made the ice cream. And I have an ice cream maker with the cream that was like infused with mint. And it was like the most delicious thing I've ever had. That sounds amazing. Our bodies are in constant motion. At any given moment, our cells are breaking down molecules for energy and using that energy to construct new ones. That's basically metabolism. If you want to keep the process running smoothly and look and feel your best, consider adding peak to your routine. Peak fasting teas have been carefully blended with other functional plants that promote metabolism, gut health, digestion, suppressing appetite, reducing bloating, supporting gut health, and controlling sugar cravings and supporting blood sugar balance. Here's the science behind it. You get catechins to support healthy ghrelin levels, basically satiety and hun hunger signals are balanced. Caffeine and L-theanine for calm, sustained energy without the jitters and polyphenols, antioxidants so to support your body for healthy skin, body, and mind. You can have these whether you intermittent fast or not. So even on days that I'm not intermittent fasting, I still love these teas. It's something that I've drank my personal life for a long time. And one, honestly, one of the first fans of Peaks actually went to Simon Chang's house back in the day when they were just a little startup. And Simon's been on the podcast. You have to go back and listen to this episode. He's one of the first episodes of The Art of Being Well talking about teas. So here is my peak fasting tea ritual. In the morning, I'll have the bergamot black fasting tea or their Earl Grey tea. I love this Earl Grey tea. At midday, I'll typically break my intermittent fast. I'll have the ginger green or the matcha green fasting tea. 
This promotes digestion, combats post-meal sleepiness, so no PM fatigue here. It also makes a great refreshing iced tea. And then in the evening, I have a caffeine-free cinnamon. They have a cinnamon herbal fasting tea. They have other ones with hibiscus that I love as well. These teas maintain healthy blood sugar levels and a delightful post-meal indulgence. For a limited time, get 12% off plus a free gift with purchase when you shop at peaklife.com slash willcolefast. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash willcolefast. W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E-F-A-S-T. Peaklife.com slash willcolefast. There's a reason Peak has over 15,000 five-star reviews and counting. Try it out for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee. You either love it or you get your money back. You mentioned Asians having scallions in their home and you talk about yeah. this Asian growing up as an Asian American in a very white neighborhood. This is something that I always we need to do better in the wellness world, I think, from a representation standpoint, letting people know that it's for them too. Can you talk a little bit about that? It just being in a world beyond wellness, just life itself being kind of feeling maybe a little bit like the outsider, but also I think what are your thoughts from a wellness perspective and representation within our space? Yeah, I think I grew up, right, my mom is from Taiwan and I grew up, there were not, there was not a lot of diversity in my town and in my school. And so, you know, and as a kid, you always just want to fit in. And so I remember, you know, having my mom packing me lunch and having like tea eggs and, and different things. And my friends were like, what are you eating? That looks so gross. Like it doesn't look like what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really insecure sometimes about my culture and my mom and my heritage. And it took a lot of discovery, self-discovery, traveling uh, in college. I studied abroad in Beijing. Like there were a lot of things that I did to try to just like learn to, to better understand that side of myself and which in turn made my relationship with my mom so much better. And I talk about this in my book, but my mom and I did not get along very well when I was in high school. And so that self-discovery and journey and, and even knowing that like I don't look Asian, a lot of people don't know that I am. So I've always kind of had this life of like being secretly Asian, <laughs> which has been interesting in itself. And then coming into the space and being like a public figure in the wellness space and in the fitness space and knowing that there aren't a lot of Asian people in fitness. So then all of a sudden, you know, at Peloton, we do cultural months. So we have a Pride Month, uh, a Latinx Month, an Asian Month, Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So for those months, I was like, oh, I'm going to start teaching some rides. And then I ended up teaching like a Lunar New Year ride. And then I would talk about some of my experiences and I was totally blown away by the feedback that I got from some of the members of, of the Asian community who were like, thank you so much for telling these stories. I can relate. Thank you so much for being a face for our community. And that really like blew me away and like made me tear up because as somebody who's always been, you know, been biracial and been like, am I white enough? Am I Asian enough? And I've always been straddling that line of trying to figure out like where I belong to have a group of people just say like, you're enough and like, you're doing great. And like, thank you for representing us was uh, really touching. And yeah, I think that anytime you step into a space that the majority, you are not the majority, like you have an opportunity to open more doors for other people and to be, you know, when I was a kid, I saw Connie Chung on the news, like she in the nineties, like she was the first Asian woman I ever saw on TV, mm -hmm. uh, an authority figure, a person of power, like besides my mom. 
And that was really important for me to see that. And so I take it seriously as, you know, teaching fitness on the Peloton platform. I know that there are little kids, little Asian kids watching me and and they know that like, hey, like she looks like me or she's telling stories that I can relate to. Like maybe there's there's an opportunity for me in this space as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's powerful and it's true. What's your favorite now, like being a, an adult and appreciating your heritage? What's your favorite traditional Taiwanese food? And I'd love you to share it with with everybody. So I actually got to go to Taiwan for the first time. Uh, it was four years ago. Four, oh wow, five years ago. I think it was 2018 or 2018. I took a trip there with my mom and my brother and my sister-in-law and my nephew, who was just nine months old. It was so cute. And that was the first time I had been to Taiwan. And my mom was ecstatic to like show us around and, and like all the amazing fruit. And I totally didn't realize this, but the north of Taiwan is subtropical and the south of Taiwan is full on tropical. Like it's like turquoise water, like mangoes from trees. Like it's just, that's hot. And I just didn't totally know that. So we did like this whole tour together around, around the island. And I mean, oh, there's so much good, like Taiwan has a great food, like bubble tea is originally from Taiwan. Um, but what Taiwan is really known for is their beef noodle soup, handmade noodles, like big chunk of beef in this big, the soupy broth. That was one of my favorite things to eat while I was there. Like noodle soups are so good there. Love it. Uh, I have to ask you, as a Peloton, you know, member and and someone that does your workouts, are you when you're doing the workouts? Are you doing the resistance as high as you're telling us <laughs> to do, or are you just making it look really easy? Like what? What are some? Give me the tea. Give me the oh, tea. Oh my god, the burning questions. Okay, so sometimes yes, sometimes no. I think that that I give you a range because. There's all types of people taking my class. There are first-time fitness people. There are Olympian gold medalists taking my class. Like there's a whole range. So when I say 45 to 60 resistance, some days I'm at 45 resistance. Sometimes I'm at 55 resistance. But I am usually in the range that I'm giving you. I won't give you a range and then be like way out of it. I'm within the range that I'm giving. Sometimes I'm on the lower end though, depending on what kind of day I'm having. Yeah. Or sometimes I'm on the higher end. Yeah. All right. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you're never like 55 and you're at like 10 and like making it look no. hard, playing it no. for the camera. <laughs> no. All right. You guys I, could tell, you could tell, yes. you know? Yeah. And then when I try to get the angle shots and I'm trying to look like, okay, can I see her screen? <laughs> I've gone. You know what? We put, we like have a piece of plastic over our screen so that people can't read our oh, that's uh, hysterical. notes and yeah, and our screen. So, all right. So you're Keep trying. You're, you're thinking about people like me. I know what he's going to do. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, other questions that come to mind are: Are you working out in addition to the classes that you're teaching? What's that look like for you? Yes, my job. I don't want my job to be my workout. It is a workout, but I need it to be like easy for me. I can't. I can't be struggling through that class because otherwise, I can't talk. Right. So, I need to be in such great shape that my job is not the hardest thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing harder things elsewhere. So for me, that looks like I teach, how many classes do I teach now? Uh, I don't know, five to 10 cycling classes a week. And then I teach one to two strength classes a week. And so on top of that, I will do my own strength sessions probably twice a week, weight training, 
And then ideally, I'd love to do like one yoga class a week. But to be honest, like that's probably the thing that gets forgotten about the most. Mm -hmm. But I do need, like, I love a Pilates class. I love a yoga class. And I do need to, and I'm saying that here, you heard it here first. My goal is to reincorporate that back into my routine uh, because it does wonders for me. And then also just like, I love hiking and going on walks and doing like low impact type Mm -hmm. of movement and exercise. Great. It's great, great to know all this behind the scenes stuff. So, I mean, for the live classes, are you ever nervous at this point? Are you, if you mess up, is there some grace as far as like the delay? I don't know. Like what goes behind? I want to know how this stuff works. Yeah. So we have our live classes and with sometimes there's people in the room and then sometimes there's not and they're live. And then we also have what we call coach to camera. So we're just teaching to the camera and it's not live. And then that goes on demand later. It's funny. And I realized this too, like even throughout the promotion of my book, I was going on TV. I was on like CBS Morning and Good Morning America and all this stuff. And some of the segments I taped were live and some of them I taped were pre-recorded. And I actually, and I'm like, I know this because of Peloton, but I actually would get kind of like more nervous for the pre-recorded stuff because I know that I can mess up and that we can fix it and we could shoot it again. When it's live, there's no other option. Like you just have to keep going. So I, I just like, no, I'm like, okay, it's live. I, I got to turn it on. I got to answer the, I got to, you know, give the class, give a great class. I got to answer the question perfectly the first time. I don't get a second try. So it is kind of funny because knowing like when I tape a class that's coached to camera, I'm like, oh, I didn't do my intro. Great. I could always just bust the class and be like, sorry, we got to start again, which I don't want to do. But like mm-hmm. knowing that it's possible in the back of my head, I think it messes with me a little bit. So I kind of prefer the live. And yeah, you can't, you can't, go back and, and and if you really mess up or if there's a, an issue with tech or anything, the class just like doesn't go on demand. It just, it goes away. Trashed. <laughs> <laughs> it goes trashed. <laughs> I, I never thought about that. So there are yeah. unseen Peloton Or classes. they've been seen once, right? Because right. they were live okay, and got then it. like they've something seen... happened. So, you know, <laughs> Does it, make does, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while. Beauty spray, there's there's actually some classes. I have this one class actually. I don't know if people know this, but like a classic rock ride. And um it was like years ago, but the music cut out for like the second half of the class for me, but it didn't cut out for everybody at home. So I'm teaching the class and there's no one in the room, but I, it's just like no music. And I'm like, I love this song. And I want it coaching. Because <laughs> I know I have the class plan. So I teach the class fine. Mm-hmm. But people at home don't know that like for the second half of that entire class, I had no music. I wasn't singing along because clearly I couldn't. But nobody wow. at home even knew. That's talent, Emma Lovewell. Thank so you. You kept Actually, going. Thank you. <laughs> that is huge. I, I, how did you even... Wow, that's impressive. So, is there anything that sticks out of your mind, like in your mind over the years of like one of, if not the most embarrassing thing that happened during class? You just had to keep going with it? Luckily, I don't have any like horror stories, but I will say that for all the members listening, there's a lot of people out there who try to make their leaderboard names something totally inappropriate or gross or like stupid. And so I am like doing my best to read like thousands of leaderboard names. And then, you know, there will be one that's just like penis something or I don't know, like (laughs) trying to make me say something. And I just like, it's like the Bart Simpson prank, right? Where they like, yes. you know, ha- yeah, 
Uh, so I definitely have said some leaderboard names that after I say them, I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and usually I, I, pl- I just play it off. I just go to the next. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. Sure, I could make fun of myself right now, but like, I got a clap. <laughs> That's hysterical. I never thought about yeah. that with that with the handles with the usernames. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, people people can get creative. It was like it's like the Peloton name is like the what the AOL Instant Messenger was back in the yes. day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mine yeah. was super boring. It was just like W Cole, but people had some. Creative I was gonna ones. say mine was super boring too. Mine was like E R Lovewell. It was like my name. Yeah, we we were too studious for our, for our time. <laughs> So boring. But when that's people, good. That doesn't like come back to haunt us, right? Like yeah. now you're in like some press interview and some reporters like, you know, we have proof <laughs> that as a teenager, your yes. leaderboard name or your handle yeah, right. was something inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, right. You used like numbers to spell out some inappropriate word. Uh, yes. I've seen that right, before. Right, right. As you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end of every episode, we have your art of being well. This is Emma Lovewell's art of being well. I'm going to just pick your brain on your favorite things within wellness. First okay. question, you, you talk about gardening in the book and, and you teach us these practical lessons that we can learn from nature. I'm curious to know, what's your favorite scent from nature, like smell from nature? I love that question. <laughs> because I have so many. Okay, I'll say this one because I just came back from Italy, but the smell of jasmine. There's so many flowers I could I could mention right now, but I will just say jasmine is like fresh in my nose because I was just in Italy and it grows in a vine and it takes over sides of buildings and it is prolific and beautiful. And when you walk by blooming jasmine, it like is heaven. It's it maybe is. one of my favorite smells. It's, it's one of my favorites too. It is like unparalleled. I was following along on your trip to Italy. It looked amazing. Any pro tips for Italy? Yeah, I think that, so I, everybody loved, I've never met anybody who didn't like Italy. So I knew that I wasn't like, I'm not like discovering Italy for the, you know, <laughs> nobody, everybody loves it. It's not uncommon. Uh, but the amount of people who suggested things for me to do, like, you've got to try this restaurant, you got to try this restaurant. And when it came down to it, my schedule, like I couldn't get a reservation at some of them or I couldn't find them or whatever. I didn't eat at a single restaurant that somebody else recommended to me. I just ended up going to, oh, this looks good. I looked it up, TripAdvisor or Google, and it had five stars. I'm like, great, I'll eat there. It's not on Instagram. It's not on social media. It's just here. Every meal was like the best meal I've ever had. I didn't have a single bad meal and I didn't eat at any recommended thing. So if somebody's like, you have to go to this restaurant, you don't have to. (laughs) You will find another restaurant that will also blow your mind. And... Don't, you don't have to go to the list that some like influencer told you to go to. <laughs> Great That's tip. Great tip. We talked about your favorite natural scent. How about your favorite natural sound? A sound from nature that you love the most? The ocean. Definitely. Good. I'm from an island. And so some people, it's, it is really interesting. Like some people feel claustrophobic by the ocean. I feel like free by the ocean. I actually feel claustrophobic if I'm in like a landlocked state or area. I'm like, where's the, even like I go to a lake and I'm like, I know this is, this is not the ocean. <laughs> I I definitely like raise the feeling of the ocean and definitely mm-hmm. the sound of the ocean. Yeah. It's great. Something I was going to actually say about the Jasmine, I just, I forgot to say is you have to try Peaks. Do you know Peak? Simon Cheng is actually from Taiwan as well. Oh no. Yeah. He is like a tea 
aficionado. And he has a company called Peak, P-I-Q-U-E. And he, they have a jasmine green tea. It is. Oh, no, no, no. I do know that company. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Try, try okay. their jasmine green tea because yes. it tastes amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. I will. Let's, speaking of tea, if you had to pick coffee or tea, what would you pick? This is controversial. But you know what? I'm actually going to say tea because there's so much variety. And yes, there's variety in coffee too. Don't come at me. But <laughs> tea, I have, I love my decaf tea that I have. I love a rooibos tea, a chamomile tea. Those are like my favorite. And then all of the caffeinated teas, matcha, Earl Grey, like I love all types of tea. I also love coffee, but if I had to choose, I would say tea. Yeah, me too. And I, for the same reason, I have so many choices and it has generally it has less caffeine too, which we talked about before we started recording, <laughs> overshooting with the amount of coffee we have both had yeah. today. Yes. I usually feel really good after I have tea. Coffee is like 50-50. Yeah. It's like, this could help me or this could <laughs> wreck my <Totally>. day. Yeah. <laughs> could be heart palpitations. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. What's a book that you've read in the past year? It could be fiction, nonfiction. That's really got you thinking in a fresh new way. Hmm. Could be oh audio book well, too. It could be. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. I did just listen to Joanna Gaines's The Stories We Tell. I just listened to the audiobook of that. And I just thought that that was like, it was like relatable for me. She's another like half Asian woman. And I just thought it was refreshing and kind of just nice to hear somebody's perspective that wasn't like so far from some things that I believe, I think. Mm -hmm. I love that. You, yeah. Have you ever been to Waco before? They have changed Waco. It is their city. Dare I say Oh my it. God. No, I, I did. I actually went there and I got to meet Joanna and I got to meet her team and they gave me a, a tour and I was like, oh yeah, you guys own Waco. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like a college cool. and everything, but it's like an afterthought. The tourism there that they yes. brought is impressive. It was packed and the restaurants were packed. The bakery, I couldn't even go into the bakery because there was like a line around the corner. It was amazing. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, regardless of health benefits, like purely on taste alone, what would that food be? I've been on like a 10-year a obsession with Japanese ramen. It's I don't know if this obsession is going anywhere because it's been so long. <laughs> but basically, like in New York City, I'm, I, I know like most of the really good ramen spots. I got to go to Japan last year and ate a ton of ramen. I just... It's like so soothing. I think it's, again, the noodles in a soup, what I, I talked about, mm -hmm. the Taiwanese noodles. But I just think there's something about the Japanese ramen with like the amount of time they take to make the broth. And then you get like a little meat and a little egg and a little vegetable and like the most delicious noodles. I just, and uh, the, the funny thing is when I went to Japan too, our tour guide, I was like, can we get some ramen? And, and he was like, you know, he's like, we didn't schedule a lot of ramen in your itinerary. He's like, because... <laughs> In Japan, if you were to take a girl out to her first to a first date and you took her to ramen, it would be like taking her to McDonald's. Wow. And I was like, "What? <laughs> I would love ramen on a first date." <laughs> He's like, "No, it's just like so cheap here that like it's not considered like really nice." He's like, "So we scheduled all these like other dinners for you." And I was like, "Can we cross some of those nicer dinners out and put in the ramen?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take me to Japanese McDonald's, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you take supplements? And if so, what are maybe, let's say two supplements that have been the biggest supporters for your health? 
Yeah. I mean, well, now, you know, we're uh, friends with Now Foods. And so I have like a full supply of supplements and I love their supplements. I mean, and also our friend Kelly Levesque, I yeah. totally have taken her advice with all of the smoothies. So I do make a smoothie almost every morning, not not every single morning. But I guess I put so many things in there. What do I put in there? I'll put a prebiotic in my smoothie. I'll put fiber supplements in my smoothie. Sometimes like a green type of powder or like a chlorophyll or the other one. I think those are like my go-to. I think I'll do like a, some protein in my smoothie as well to make sure I'm getting that protein. But yeah, I love just like throwing it all into a smoothie. And then outside of that, like I'll take vitamin D, magnesium, stuff like that. Love it. How does that sound? Dr. It, so- <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. Good job. Uh, I, you have my approval. I was going to ask you, people love to know about protein powders. Like, do you prefer like a whey or a plant-based protein? Like, is there one that you like? I do the pea protein. It's mm-hmm. the Now Foods pea protein one, um, vanilla. And I'll put in, I think they say like a huge scoop is like the serving. I'll usually do half of that um, just because of taste. In my opinion, I was like, I don't, I can get my, I get my protein in other ways too. So just supplementing like a half a scoop for me is, is my go-to. Got it. You live in the New York area. I always want to ask my New York, my New Yorkers on the, on the show, what's your favorite you don't have to do one, but like, what's your favorite, some of your favorite restaurants in New York? And when you're there, what do you order? Well, let's pick one. What's your favorite okay. restaurant in New York? Cause we'd be here all day. And then what, what do you order when you're there? Okay. I was just going to say like a ramen place, but then I was like, <laughs> wait, no, let me say a Taiwanese place because my friend Trig Brown owns Winsun in Brooklyn. It is one of my favorite restaurants. It is so, it's like Taiwanese inspired or infused. So it's not traditional Taiwanese. It's like modern and like just so good. Every time I have friends coming into town, I like tell them they have to go there. And, you know, it's not in Manhattan. So if you're, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to go out to Brooklyn, but I love, and this is a dish you can find in many Chinese restaurants is like sauteed pea shoots. But the way they do it there is just like one of my, it's just pea shoots with like whatever sauce they put on, but pea shoots are like the best flavor and texture and yeah, that's like one of my favorite dishes and one of my favorite restaurants. What's the name of it again? So I, I... Winson, W-I-N-S-O-N. Got it. In, in Brooklyn. What part of Brooklyn is it in? It's in Bushwick, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, people want the podcast. Put, they put want that on your list. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. Put it on your sure. list, for sure. Yeah. What? I think I know the answer to this, actually. We we talked about this when we were in, in Brooklyn. You and I were in Brooklyn for the Now Foods event. Do you know what Enneagram you are? Yeah, we did yes, kind I, of talk about yeah, this, didn't I don't we? know how it came up in um, conversation, but I think you knew because we yes, talked about it. Yeah. I think I, I haven't taken the test in a long time. I took it maybe like five years ago, but I think I'm a six. Okay, that's right. You you did say that. That's Yeah. Most people I, don't what know. Are you? I'm a five. I know. I'm a five. Okay. Which, what's the title of that one? That's the... Uh, the researcher. Re- okay. I'm I, the loyalist, I think yes. is what his six is. The loyalist. Yeah. 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 Researcher. Okay. Yeah. It works well for my job. Yeah. <laughs> Do you go to Starbucks? And if you go to Starbucks, what's your order? I've gone through like some times in my life where I went to Starbucks a lot. And then other, like right now I'm like not in a Starbucks phase. Like I don't have the card anymore. Like I'm not, yeah. uh, you know, I don't go <laughs> for my birthday drink anymore. I used to do <laughs> but, oh yeah, what do I order? I don't know. You know what it is? I had like a, once I started going with like 
non-dairy milks. I was having a hard time with Starbucks because I didn't love their their almond milk to me. kind of tasted like cardboard. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't have oat milk for a long time, but now they have oat milk. So, man, I mean, honestly, sometimes I'll just get like a cold brew with a little splash of half and half in there. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like winter, I'd probably just do like an oat milk latte. Just Got like it. no, no, no pumps of anything. Just like oh, straight up, straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what it is. I do love tea. I will just get their tea, light oh, ice, yes. no sweetener. Look, it's not the best tea in the world, but it is. Yeah, it, it does the job. It does the job. But talk they about kind of switched their teas for a little bit because they were like a Tazo tea person, like brand, and then yeah. they kind of did their own thing. It was different. Yeah, it is. You're right. I know this. I know this tea switch. (laughs) I know this. (laughs) Because I like the black tea. I like the, I'll just have the straight up black tea. But talk about caffeine. Oh, actually, wait, wait. Have you had a London fog from Starbucks? I haven't. I I know what it is, but maybe you should share it with people. I haven't had Starbucks London fog, but I love Earl Grey tea. So I- It's great. Okay. Yes. So it's steamed milk and you can get it with oat milk or any type of milk and they steam the milk and then they put an Earl Grey tea bag. I mean, at Starbucks, they put like four tea bags in for the reason they always put so many tea bags in and they let it steep. And then they'll, sometimes they'll add like a little bit of honey or a little sweetener, but you can have them not add that in. But it's like the most delicious. It's like if I want that like comforting Mm kind of like latte, but I don't want the like extreme caffeine of coffee, a London fog, it's like a good like mid-afternoon type of caffeinated yeah. beverage in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's a good pro tip. Most people don't know about the London fog at no. Starbucks. And the cold brew, man, that will that's caffeine. That'll mess you up pretty if you yeah. have too much of no, that. that. Definitely. I get like the smallest one and then I can't <laughs> even finish it. So yeah. <laughs> Just like rub it on your skin a little bit. Yeah. It's like a patch. <laughs> if people want to know about the uh they want to know about skincare, if you could only use one skincare product, what would that product be for you personally? You know what? I think it would be, it's the Bioderma Micellar Water, uh, which a makeup artist introduced it to me maybe five or six years ago, basically when I first started at Peloton and I was breaking out because I'm like, sweat, we wear makeup. Some people have opinions about that, but it's, we have like the nicest high depth cameras on our faces <laughs> while we're working out. And if you don't wear makeup, you look like a ghost mm-hmm. and you look sick. So anyway, we wear makeup when we teach class. And I was breaking out at first and I couldn't figure out why. And I think it was like, I was washing my face at night, but I wasn't getting all of the makeup off. And so a makeup artist introduced this to me. Just after you wash your face, you use this micellar water on like a cotton pad and you wipe your face. And I was amazed at how much stuff came off. Even though I had just washed my face, there's so much more stuff whether it's makeup or dirt or other things on your face that was coming off. And once I started doing that, my skin was so much better. I wasn't breaking out nearly as much. So I think it was like, I just wasn't getting all the stuff off yeah. of my face, even though I was washing it. So that's a product that I have been using pretty much every day for the last like six years. And it's one of my favorite. Love it. Great tip. So you use yep. it after cleansing. You do a cleanser and then this micellar yep. water, which I've always yeah. seen. I've yeah. never used it before, but I see it out there and it's underrated apparently. We need to check it yeah. out. Yeah, it's really good. Got it. So my friend, I could talk to you all day, but tell us where people go. What's the website? What's your website for the mint ice cream? Yes. And where do they get the book? Tell us Tell us where to go. Right. 
So livelearnlovewell.com. I have a website full of recipes, travel stuff. I'm going to be actually putting up a, a list of my favorite things to do in Italy. But like, don't take my advice. Like, just go and do your own thing. <laughs> um, but if you want to know what I did, I will tell you. And then you can find my book, Live, Learn, Love Well, Lessons from a Life of Progress, Not Perfection, anywhere books are sold. And I also have a newsletter on Substack that's called The Love List. You can also check that out. You'll hear from me once a week. And then, yeah, on the Peloton platform, Emma Lovewell, I teach cycling, I teach strength, core classes, dance classes. That's that's where you can find me. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for coming on. And uh, thanks for kicking my ass again. Come back on the pod anytime you want to. Thank you so much. Such a fun conversation. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.